This audio is presented by Hacker Noon, where anyone can learn anything about any technology. Solid fuels other than coal and their combustion, by Babcock and Wilcox Company. Steam, its generation and use by Babcock and Wilcox Company, is part of the Hacker Noon book series. You can jump to any chapter in this book here. S-O-L-I-D-F-U-E-L-S other than coal and their C-O-M-B-U-S-T-I-O-N-S-O-L-I-D fuels other than coal and their combustion. Wood. Wood is vegetable tissue which has undergone no geological change. Usually the term is used to designate those compact substances familiarly known as tree trunks and limbs. When newly cut, wood contains moisture varying from 30% to 50%. When dried for a period of about a year in the atmosphere, the moisture content will be reduced to 18 or 20%. Wood is usually classified as hard wood, including oak, maple, hickory, birch, walnut and beech, and soft wood, including pine, fir, spruce, elm, chestnut, poplar and willow. Contrary to general opinion, the heat value per pound of softwood is slightly greater than the same value per pound of hardwood. Table 41 gives the chemical composition and the heat values of the common woods. Ordinarily the heating value of wood is considered equivalent to zero. For that of bituminous coal. In considering the calorific value of wood as given in thistable, it is to be remembered that while this value is based on air-dried wood, the moisture content is still about 20% of the whole, and the heat produced in burning it will be diminished by this amount and by the heat required to evaporate the moisture and superheat it to the temperature of the gases. The heat so absorbed may be calculated by the formula giving the loss dueto moisture in the fuel, and the net calorific value determined. In designing furnaces for burning wood, the question resolves itself into, first, the essential elements to give maximum capacity and efficiency with this class of fuel, and second, the construction which will entail the least labor in handling and feeding the fuel and removing the refuse after combustion. Wood, as used commercially for steam generating purposes, is usually a waste product from some industrial process. At the present time refuse from lumber and saw mills forms by far the greater part of this class of fuel. In such refuse the moisture may run as high as 60% and the composition of the fuel may vary over wide ranges during different portions of the mill operation. The fuel consists of sawdust, hogged, wood and slabs, and the percentage of each of these constituents may vary greatly. Hogged wood is mill refuse and logs thought they've been passed through a hogging machine or macerator. This machine, through the action of revolving knives, cuts or shreds the wood into a state in which it may readily be handled as fuel. Table 42 gives the moisture content and heat value of typical sawmill refuse from various woods. It is essential in the burning of this class of fuel that a large combustion space be supplied, and on account of the usually high moisture content there should be much heated brickwork to radiate heat to the fuel bed and thus evaporate the moisture. Extension furnaces of the proper size are usually essential for good results and when this fuel is used alone, Grates dropped to the floor line with an ash pit below give additional volume for combustion and space for maintaining a thick fuel bed. A thick fuel bed is necessary in order to avoid excessive quantities of air passing through the boiler. Where the fuel consists of hogged wood and sawdust alone, it is best to feed it automatically into the furnace through chutes on the top of the extension. The best results are a secured when the fuel is allowed to pile up in the furnace to a height of 3 or 4 feet in the form of a cone under each chute. The fuel burns best when not disturbed in the furnace. Each fuel chute, when a proper distance from the grates and with the piles maintained at their proper height, will supply about 30 or 35 square feet of grate surface. While large quantities of air are required for burning this fuel, excess air is as harmful as with coal, and care must be taken that such an excess is not admitted through fire doors or fuel chutes. 
a strong natural draft usually is preferable to a blast with this fuel. The action of blast is to make the regulation of the furnace conditions more difficult and to blow over unconsumed fuel on the heating surfaces and into the stack. This unconsumed fuel settling in portions of the setting out of the direct path of the gases will have a tendency to ignite provided any air reaches it, with results harmful to the setting and breaching connection. This action ISP particularly objectionable if these particles are carried over into the base of a stack, where they will settle below the point at which the flue enters and IF ignited may cause the stack to become overheated and buckle. Whether natural draft or blast is used, much of the fuel is carried onto the heating surfaces and these should be cleaned regularly to maintain a good efficiency. Collecting chambers in various portions of the setting should be provided for this unconsumed fuel, and these should be kept clean. With proper draft conditions, 150 pounds of this fuel containing about 30-40% to of moisture can be burned per square foot of grate surface per hour, and in a properly designed furnace one square foot of grate surface can develop from 5 to 6 boiler horsepower. Where the wood contains 50% of moisture or over, it is not usually safe to figure on obtaining more than 3 to 4 horsepower per square foot of grate surface. Dry sawdust, chips and blocks are also used as fuel in many woodworking industries. Here, as with the wet wood, ample combustion space should be supplied, but as this fuel is ordinarily kiln-dried, large brickwork surfaces in the furnace are not necessary for the evaporation of moisture in the fuel. Thighs fuel may be burned in extension furnaces though these are not required unless they are necessary to secure an added furnace volume, to get in sufficient great surface, or where such an arrangement must be used to allow for a fuel bed of sufficient thickness. Depth of fuel bed with the dry fuel is as important as with the moist fuel. If extension furnaces are used with this dry wood, care must be taken in their design that there is no excessive throttling of the gases in the furnace, or brickwork trouble will result. In Babcock and Wilcox boilers this fuel may be burned without extension furnaces, provided that the boilers are set at a sufficient height to provide ample combustion space and to allow for proper depth of fuel bed. Sometimes this is gained by lowering the grates to the floor line and excavating for an ash pit. Where the fuel is largely sawdust, it may be introduced over the fire doors through inclined chutes. The old methods of handling and collecting sawdust by means of air suction and blast were such that the amount of air admitted through such chutes was excessive, but with improved methods the amount of air so admitted may be reduced to a negligible quantity. The blocks and refuse which cannot be handled through chutes may be fired through fire doors in the front of the boiler, which should be made sufficiently large to accommodate the larger sizes of fuel. As with wet fuel, there will be a quantity of unconsumed wood carried over and the heating surfaces must be kept clean. In a few localities cord wood is burned. With this as with other classes of wood fuel, a large combustion space is an essential feature. The percentage of moisture in cord wood may make it necessary to use an extension furnace, but ordinarily this is not required. Ample combustion space is in most cases secured by dropping the grates to the floor line, large double-deck fire doors being supplied at the usual fire door level through which the wood is thrown by hand. Air is admitted under the grates through an excavated ash pit. The side, front and rear walls of the furnace should be corbelled out to cover about one-third of the total grate surface. This prevents cold air from laning up the sides of the furnace and also reduces the grate surface. Cord wood and slabs form an open fire through which the frictional loss of the air is much less than in the case of sawdust or hog material. The combustion rate with cord wood is, therefore, higher and the grate surface may be considerably reduced. Such wood is usually cut in lengths of 4 feet or 4 feet 6 inches, and the depth of the grate should be kept approximately 5 feet to get the best results. Bagasse Bagasse is the refuse of sugarcane from which the juice has been extracted by pressure between the rolls of the mill. 
From the start of the sugar industry bagasse has been considered the natural fuel for sugar plantations. On Dean view of the importance of the industry a word of history relative to the use of this fuel is not out of place. When the manufacture of sugar was in its infancy the cane was passed through Buddha single mill and the defecation and concentration of the saccharin juice took place in a series of vessels mounted one after another over a common fire at one end and connected to a stack at the opposite end. This primitive method was known in the English colonies as the open wall, and in the Spanish-American countries as the Jamaica train. The evaporation and concentration of the juice in the open air and over a direct fire required such quantities of fuel, and the bagasse, in fact, played such an important part in the manufacture of sugar, that oftentimes the degree of extraction, which was already low, would be sacrificed to the necessity of obtaining a bagasse that might be readily burned. The furnaces in use with these methods were as primitive as the rest of the apparatus, and the bagasse could be burned in them only by first drying it. This naturally required an enormous quantity of handling of the fuel in spreading and collecting and frequently entailed a shutting down of the mill, because a shower would spoil the supply which had been dried. The difficulties arising from the necessity of drying this fuel caused a widespread attempt on the part of inventors to the turning out of a furnace which would successfully burn green bagasse. Some of the designs were more or less clever, and about the year 1880 several such green bagasse furnaces were installed. These did not come up to expectations, however, and almost invariably they were abandoned and recourse had to be taken to the old method of drying in the sun. From 1880 the new era in the sugar industry may be dated. Slavery was almost universally abolished and it became necessary to pay for labor. The cost of production was thus increased, while growing competition of European beet sugar lowered the prices. The only remedy for the new state of affairs was the cheapening of the production by the increase of extraction and improvement in manufacture. The double mill took the place of the single. The open wall method of extraction was replaced by vacuum evaporative apparatus and centrifugal machines were introduced to do the work of the great curing houses. As opposed to these improvements, however, the steam plants remained as they started, consisting of double flue boilers externally fired with dry bagasse. On several of the plantations horizontal multitubular boilers externally fired were installed and at the time were considered the acme of perfection. Numerous attempts were made to burn the bagasse green, among others the step grates imported from Louisiana and known as the Leon Marie furnaces, but satisfactory results were obtained in none of the appliances tried. The Babcock and Wilcox Company at this time turned their attention to the problem with the results which ultimately led to its solution. Their New Orleans representative, Mr. Frederick Cook, invented a hot-forced blast bagasse furnace and conveyed the patent rights to this company. This furnace while not as efficient as the standard of today, and expensive in its construction, did, nevertheless, burn the bagasse green and enabled the boilers to develop their normal rated capacity. The first furnace of this type was installed at the Southwood and Mount Humas plantations and on a small plantation in Florida. About the year 1888 two furnaces were erected in Cuba, one on the plantation Senado and the other at the central Ormiguero. The results obtained with these furnaces were so remarkable in comparison with what had previously been accomplished that the company was overwhelmed with orders. The expense of auxiliary fuel, usually wood, which was costly and indispensable in rainy weather, was done away with and as the mill could be operated on bagasse alone, the steam production in the factory work could be regulated with natural increase in daily output. Progress and improvement in the manufacture itself was going on at a remarkable rate. The single grinding had been replaced by a double grinding. This in turn be a third grinding. And finally the maceration and dilution of the bagasse was carried to the extraction of practically the last trace of sugar contained in it. The quantity of juice to be treated was increased in this way 20 or 30% but was accompanied by the reduction to a minimum of the bagasse available as a fuel, 
and led to demands upon the furnace beyond its capacity. With the improvements in the manufacture, planters had been compelled to make enormous sacrifices to change radically their systems, and the heavy disbursement necessary for mill apparatus left few in a financial position to make costly installations of good furnaces. The necessity of turning to something cheap in furnace construction but which was nevertheless better than the early method of burning the fuel dry led to the invention of numerous furnaces by all classes of engineers regardless of their knowledge of the subject and based upon no experience. None of the furnaces thus produced were inane sense inventions but were more or less burfaced infringements of the patents of the Babcock and Wilcox Co. As the company could not protect its rights without hurting its clients, who in many cases against their own will were infringing upon these patents, and as on the other hand they were anxious to do something to meet the wants of the planters, a series of experiments were started, at their own rather than at their customers' expense, with a view to developing a furnace which, without being as expensive, would still fulfill all the requirements of the manufacturer. The result was the cold blast greenbagas furnace which is now offered, and it has been adopted as standard for this class of work after years of study and observation in our installations in the sugar countries of the world. Such a furnace is described later in considering the combustion of bagasse, composition and calorific value of bagasse, the proportion of fiber contained in the cane and density of the juice are important factors in the relation the bagasse fuel will have to the total fuel necessary to generate the steam required in a mill's operation. A cane rich in wood fiber produces more bagassethan a poor one in a thicker juice is subject to a higher degree of dilution than one not so rich. Besides the percentage of bagasse in the cane, its physical condition has a bearing on its calorific value. The factors here entering are the age at which the cane must be cut, the locality in which it is grown, etc. From the analysis of any sample of bagasse its approximate calorific value may be calculated from the formula, where F equals percent of fiber in cane, S equals percent sucrose, G equals percent glucose, W equals percent water. This formula gives the total available heat per pound of bagasse, that is, the heat generated per pound less the heat required to evaporate its moisture and superheat the steam thus formed to the temperature of the stack gases. Three samples of bagasse in which the ash is assumed to be 3% give from the formula F equals 50S and G equals 4. 5W equals 42. 5BT. U. Equals 4183 F equals 40S and G equals 6. 0W equals 51. 0BT. U equals 3,351 F equals 33. 3S and G equals 7. 0W equals 56. 7BT. U equals 2797A sample of Java bagasse having F equals 46. 5. S equals 4. 50. G equals 0. 5. W equals 47. 5 gives BT. U. 3,868. These figures show that the drier the bagasse is crushed, the higher the calorific value, though this is accompanied by a decrease in sucrose. The explanation lies in the fact that the presence of sucrose in an analysis ISAC accompanied by a definite amount of water, and that the residual juice contains sufficient organic substance to evaporate the water present when a fuel is burned in a furnace. For example, assume the residual juice, 100%, to contain 12% organic matter. From the constant in formula, that is, the moisture in a juice containing 12% of sugar will be evaporated by the heat developed by the combustion of the contained sugar. It would, therefore, appear that a bagasse containing such juice has a calorific value due only to its fiber content. This is, of course, true only where the highest products of oxidization are formed during the combustion of the organic matter. This is not strictly the case, 
especially with a bagasse of a high moisture content which will not burn properly but which smolders and produces a large quantity of products of destructive distillation, chiefly heavy hydrocarbons, which escape unburnt. The reasoning, however, is sufficient to explain the steam-making properties of bagasse of a low sucrose content, such as sari secured in Java, as when the sucrose content is lower, the heat value is increased by extracting more juice, and hence more sugar from it. The sugar operations in Java exemplify this and show that with a high dilution by maceration and heavy pressure the bagasse meets all of the steam requirements of the mills without auxiliary fuel. The high percentage of silica or salts in bagasse has sometimes been ascribed as the reason for the tendency to smolder in certain cases of soft fiber bagasse. This, however, is due to the large moisture content of the sample resulting directly from the nature of the cane. Soluble salts in the bagasse has also been given as the explanation of such smoldering action of the fire, but here tooth explanation lies solely in the high moisture content, this resulting in the development of only sufficient heat to evaporate the moisture. Table 43 gives the analyses and heat values of bagasse from various localities. Table 44 gives the value of mill bagasse at different extractions, which data may be of service in making approximations as to its fuel value as compared with that of other fuels. Furnace design and the combustion of bagasse, with the advance in sugar manufacture there came, as described, a decrease in the amount of bagasse available for fuel. As the general efficiency of a plant of this description is measured by the amount of auxiliary fuel required per ton of cane, the relative importance of the furnace design for the burning of this fuel is apparent. In modern practice, under certain conditions of mill operation, and with bagasse of certain physical properties, the bagasse available from the cane ground will meet the total steam requirements of the plant as a whole. Such conditions prevail, as described, in Java. In the United States, Cuba, Puerto Rico and like countries, however, auxiliary fuel is almost universally a necessity. The amount will vary, depending to a great extent upon the proportion of fiber in the cane, which varies widely with the locality and with the age at which it is cut, and to a lesser extent upon the degree of purity of the manufactured sugar, the use of the maceration water and the efficiency of the mill apparatus as a whole. Experience has shown that this fuel may be burned with the best results in large quantities. A given amount of bagasse burned in one furnace between two boilers will give better results than the same quantity burned in a number of smaller furnaces. An objection has been raised against such practice on the grounds that the necessity of shutting down two boiler units when it is necessary for any reason to take off a furnace, requires a larger combined boiler capacity to ensure continuity of service. As a matter of fact, several small furnaces will cost considerably more than one large furnace, and the saving in original furnace cost by such an installation, taken in conjunction with the added efficiency of the larger furnace over the small, will probably more than offset the cost of additional boiler units for spares. The essential features in furnace design for this class of fuel are ample combustion space and a length of gas travel sufficient to enable the gases to be completely burned before the boiler heating surfaces are encountered. Experience has shown that better results are secured where the fuel is burned on a hearth rather than on grates, the objection to the latter method being that the air for combustion enters largely around the edges, where the fuel pile is thinnest. When burned on a hearth the air for combustion is introduced into the furnace through several rows of tuyeres placed above and symmetrically around the hearth. An arrangement of such tuyeres over a grate, and a proper manipulation of the ash pit doors, will overcome largely the objection to grates and at the same time enable other fuel to be burned in the furnace when necessary. This arrangement of grates and tuyeres is probably the better from a commercially efficient standpoint. Where the air is admitted through tuyeres over the gradior hearthline, it impinges on the fuel pile as a whole and causes a uniform combustion. 
Such tuyères connect with an annular space in which, where a blast is used, the air pressure is controlled by a blower. All experience with this class of fuel indicates that the best results are resecured with high combustion rates. With a natural draft in the furnace of, say, three-tenths inch of water, a combustion rate of from 250 to 300 pounds per square foot of great surface per hour may be obtained. With a blast of, say, five-tenths inch of water, this rate can be increased to 450 pounds per square foot of great surface per hour. These rates apply to bagasse as fired containing approximately 50% of moisture. It would appear that the most economical results are secured with a combustion rate of approximately 300 pounds per square foot per hour which, as stated, may be obtained with natural draft. Where a natural draft is available sufficient to give such a rate, it is in general Toby preferred to a blast. Fig. 27 shows a typical bagasse furnace with which very satisfactory result shave been obtained. The design of this furnace may be altered to suit the boilers to which it is connected. It may be changed slightly in its proportion sand in certain instances in its position relative to the boiler. The furnace as shown is essentially a bagasse furnace and may be modified somewhat to accommodate auxiliary fuel. The fuel is ignited in a pit A on a hearth which is ordinarily elliptical in shape. Air for combustion is admitted through the two years B connected to an annular space C through which the amount of air is controlled. Above the pit the furnace widens out to form a combustion space D which has a cylindrical or spherical roof with its top ordinarily from 11 to 13 feet above the floor. The gases pass from this space horizontally to a second combustion chamber E from which they are led through arches F to the boiler. The arrangement of sacarches is modified to suit the boiler or boilers with which the furnace ice operated. A furnace of such design embodies the essential features of ample combustion space and long gas travel. The fuel should be fed to the furnace through an opening in the roof above the pit by some mechanical means which will ensure a constant fuel feed and at the same time prevent the inrush of cold air into the furnace. This class of fuel deposits a considerable quantity of dust, which if not removed promptly will fuse into a hard glass-like clinker. Ample provision should be made for the removal of such dust from the furnace, the gas ducts and THE boiler setting, and these should be thoroughly cleaned once in 24 hours. Table 45 gives the results of several tests on Babcock and Wilcox boilers using fuel of this character. Tan bark, tan bark, or spent tan, is the fibrous portion of bark remaining after use in the tanning industry. It is usually very high in its moisture content. A number of samples giving an average of 65% are about two-thirds of the total weight of the fuel. The weight of the spent tan is about 2. 13 times as great as the weight of the bark ground. In calorific value an average of 10 samples gives 9,500 bt. u. per pound dry. 43. The available heat per pound as fired, owing to the great percentage of moisture usually found, will be approximately 2,700 bt. u. Since the weight of the spent tan as fired is 2. 13 as great as the weight of the bark as ground at the mill, one pound of ground bark produces an available heat of approximately 5,700 bt. u. Relative to bituminous coal, a ton of bark is equivalent to zero. Four ton of coal. An average chemical analysis of the bark is carbon 51. 8%, hydrogen 6. 04, oxygen 40. 74, ash 1. 42. Tan bark is burned in isolated cases and in general the remarks on burning wet wood fuel apply to its combustion. The essential features are a large combustion space, large areas of heated brickwork radiating to the fuel bed, and draft sufficient for high combustion rates. The ratings obtainable with this class O fuel will not be as high as with wet wood fuel, because of the heat value and THE excessive moisture content. Mr. D. M. Myers found in a series of experiments that an average of from 1.
5 to 2. 08 horsepower could be developed per square foot of great surface with horizontal return tubular boilers. This horsepower would vary considerably with the method in which the spent tan was fired. About Hacker Noon book series, we bring you the most important technical, scientific, and insightful public domain books. This book is part of the public domain. Babcock and Wilcox Company, 2007. Steam, its generation and use. Urbana, Illinois. Project Gutenberg. R-E-T-R-I-E-V-E-D-H-T-T-P-S colon slash slash www. Gutenberg. Org. Cash. EPUB. 22657. PG 22657 images. HTML This ebook is for the use of anyone anywhere at no cost and with almost no restrictions whatsoever. You may copy it, give it away or reuse it under the terms of the Project Gutenberg license included with this ebook or online atwww.gutenberg.org. Located at https colon slash slash www.gutenberg.org. Policy. License. HTML. Thank you for listening to this Hackernoon story, read by Artificial Intelligence. Visit hackernoon.com to read, write, learn and publish.